Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, tonight, we have a, a very exciting guest, someone we've been trying to schedule to get on the show for a while, and it's just been trouble. So just schedules and things didn't line up, but now they've finally lined up, and we're here. Um, that felt like a really weird way to start the episode, so I'm just going to, in our fashion, <laughs> no, on, let's my honorifics. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we, we we know that it's going to take us a, uh, quite a while to get through all of Jay's honorifics, but we'll we'll make time for that in this episode today. Yeah, so we're joined today by Jay. Uh, Jay, um, and why don't I just introduce myself real quick, because then I can get out of the way and let uh, Jay talk about all the great stuff he's been doing in Magic, and we can then kind of get into the episode and so the I'm just Alex. okay stuff i've been doing in magic yeah oh, that as well <laughs> Can't we want to hear about it all <laughs> well, if we Alex left Mann. out the just okay stuff that we do the show would be not 129 episodes long it'd be much much shorter <laughs> uh so alex newman found on twitter at mel underscore chronicler pronouns are he him um and for an opening question we're just gonna do you know, what's a what's a plane in, in the magic multiverse that you'd like to visit on vacation? And having done the my prep for this episode being that ep- that question occurring to me about two hours ago, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Theros because I think the plane looks really nice. <laughs> like, there's, there's some cool cultures, but like there's some really nice beaches. There's some good place, like like just good geography to hang out doesn't seem super threatening like we're right now in in the magic releases in a plane that is cool that i don't want to visit like i i would vacations on innistra do not seem fun for me Some people that may be for other people and that's totally fair not for me i just like so, it's not a big like you know ashiok may be somewhere but it's not it's, it's just it's, it's a peaceful place hey, random tourist there for a week maybe a weekend I'm not worried about Ashiok. Okay. Innistrad, I'd be worried about, you know, like everything. All sorts of, like, I'd be worried about Innistrad. Like, that's just <laughs> how that place works. You know, just random tourists, not super worried about. I feel like know, their the, pumpkin spice game has to be really on point right um, about now, though. Right? Like, yeah. Theme that, the new set. Yeah. I, yeah. Innistrad probably is the pumpkin spice capital of the magic multiverse. But it's like, like, that's how planeswalkers keep going there and they keep dying, but like no one ever gets back to give the bad reviews. So people just keep coming. <laughs> See, I was just thinking this was more of like a, a, a zombie situation. Like you don't actually want to know what is being used to fertilize or grow the pumpkins, but it's really good. <laughs> it's really good. You just don't ask the, those questions. Yeah, I, I feel like the Simic might have a run, give them a run for their money, but probably even the Simic science can't uh, beat what Innistrad can do for pumpkin spice. <laughs> so, I mean, it'd be like pumpkin crab spice, which probably has its own appeal, but is a, is kind of a different thing at that point. <laughs> <laughs> a different thing at that point? <laughs> it sounds like... Um sounds like something we'd have in maryland here because that sounds that would be like uh we just add old bay to it and it would be perfect so we put our old bay in everything in maryland i i uh I, I do i do miss going back out to maryland so there's a, a an anime convention that was in baltimore moved to dc recently that i've gone to for a number of years because a, a friend of mine is is in maryland is in baltimore 
And uh, I used to tell him, like, number one reason I always go out there was to hang out with him and some other friends um, from from the Northeast area who we'd, we'd meet there, people I met playing World of Warcraft, actually, just playing online. My second reason, like the convention, that was always fun. And then number three was crab, getting fresh crab. <laughs> just... I thought you so, were going to say that it was Old Bay. No, for someone in Minnesota, like, getting getting that fresh crab is is great, and I miss it. Having <laughs> yeah, not gone to convention for two years because of this, so... Yeah. Yeah. Otacon, I went to, I assume that's what you're talking about. Not like, yes, not not, um, the other one. Uh, Otacon, I went to in the 2000s and then was annoyed by from 2010 uh, until 2018 because I worked in the city and had to get past the convention center <laughs> to go home. And I was like, yes. before, the first year I was like, oh, hey, look, it's my people. And the second year I'm like, just get out of the street. Like, get that big sword and get out of the street. I want to go home. Yeah, I did grad school in San Diego. So. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, well, hi, I'm I'm Hobbs Q. Uh, pronouns he, him. I can be found on Twitter at Hobbs Q. And, uh, I would visit the meditation realm because I just need somewhere kind of peaceful to relax for a little bit, you know, just kind of chill. You know, there's probably not a lot going on so there right now. Would, Some, would you bring a uh, a cake with a file baked into it, perhaps? I mean, I might bring a gift. You don't show up to a <laughs> realm with elder dragons without bringing a gift. That's fair. That I so, mean, that goes back into fantasy history one of the best ways to deal with dragons without being eaten is is gifts is gifts so i'm not showing up there empty-handed now you know and and there's there's two brothers i guess that live there now which is a little weird but i would still bring something for both of them yeah i definitely would bring something for both of them how codependent is that though come on (laughs) both adults move out when you move out well, I feel like for a really long time, there really was only one person living there. It's it's awkward right now. Squeeze got it handled. We already have a plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Squeeze going to spark and then accidentally release Nicol Bolas, and I am here for it. <laughs> and if that's not possible, then I don't like Magic the Gathering anymore. I mean, things are always possible. Whether or not they're <laughs> likely is a very different question. Come on, like, ah, Squeeze's been around for so long. The poor goblin needs something. Sparking's what he's got. And he needs a buddy. <laughs> he needs a buddy. <sighs> but yes, I would go there because I'm sure it's lovely and peaceful. There are the pools of becoming. I would just kind of relax in them, and I think it would be great. And if I happen to let loose Nicol Bolas, it's not the end of the world. Not the end of that world, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, welcome to our guest. Oh, hi. I'm Jay Anelli, which we have now gone seven minutes into this podcast before I have uh, introduced myself here. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, because I, I heard you all given that one. So, uh, And I would pick Kaladesh. Uh, just because like it is a plane, I feel like I am very unlikely to be killed on for <laughs> like, I could actually go there for vacation and like not have to worry about anything. This is a, this is a serious answer. Like I, I would think of a lot of places like Fiora might be cool, but I feel like I'd also get murdered in someone else's like conspiracy plot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, no. Kaladesh, I'm going to go. I'm going to have the street food because it's a fantasy world and I can eat the street food there. Whereas my, if we went to India, my wife would not let me eat the street food. She said, no, Jay, you, <laughs> you're, you're too white for that. Don't, don't eat that. Um, <laughs> don't eat it. Like, <laughs> uh, so she's, she's I can't even handle that anymore. Um, <clears throat> the, and it's just beautiful, right? It's, there's a lot of modern conveniences, uh it's a very pretty place like unlike the is it or someone else none of these contraptions are really going to explode and kill me because you know what you'll say no matter what you say about the consulate like at least they fact they um they uh, uh quality check these yeah, things it's it safety regulations <laughs> yeah whereas like if i go to some place like ravnica i'm going to step on an elevator and it's just going to squash me for no apparent or explode for no apparent there's no there's nothing explosive in it but it's going to blow up for no apparent reason you just you don't have a lot of faith in the azorius is what i'm hearing to do no, kind of the same would? regulation who would <laughs> that's okay that's very fair i mean there's there's a lot of a lot of levels to ravnica there's azorius has to set up the regulations the is it have to follow them the rakdos have to not have sabotaged it after their regulations were followed is <laughs> you've got to get through a few things before you get there i i really appreciate that both of you were actually thinking of nice beautiful places to visit on vacation that's nice and i also like that it's prefaced with also where you're not going to die randomly <laughs> not just like I, yeah this would be an amazing vacation spot but like i'm also going to survive Kaladesh would also be that, though. Like, it's a beautiful vacation spot, and I'm unlikely to be killed horribly yeah. while I'm there by some rampaging monster. I mean, and, and that's a thing that you kind of have to to think about in some of these. Love fantasy, I love sci-fi. There's all sorts of, of different properties that I really enjoy in different medium with video games and books and games like Magic. But it's like some of these places, it's fun to visit in the game. It's fun to visit in a book. It would not be fun to visit in real life. <laughs> definitely so there's a good portion of them that that kind of fit that category at least for me that's fair i mean it kind of makes so and we i mean we also think of magic story and how story works to be interesting almost every plane we're visiting is during a period of either conflict or mystery or you know because uh this was hunter pence and i when we talked uh about sports we were talking about the idea that you know sports haven't really shown up outside of you know battle bond really um but like this idea of just sports going on is because sports is leisure, sports is recreation, and we don't get to see the planes usually in those states because that doesn't make for good story. That's right. I mean, yeah. we're if you look at Innistrad right now, we haven't been to Innistrad in two years in universe, and things have been pretty mild in those two years, other than things getting slightly cold. You know, we come back when the action's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to jump back in like right when oh. Well, the moon's still there, at least. <laughs> Which is is an important thing to keep track of uh, in this it's, it's actually really funny. I was thinking about this tonight because uh, my daughter, uh, Gwen, has become really obsessed with the moon and like being able to see it. You know, usually it's been now that we're entering fall, she could see it like in the mornings when she was getting up for school. But then it went to a new moon and trying to explain phases to a two and a half year old. But like she was really excited and was like, we found the moon. It was lost. And it makes me think that like, on Innistrad, if the moon's lost, it's probably a much bigger ideal, I guess. <laughs> I, I do love how much the moon just blows children's minds because Arjun is, you know, he's five. 
But if we're walking, I'm walking him to school one day and he sees the moon out in the morning. He's like, Daddy, the moon I is think she out. does. And right? Like, yeah, it sure is, buddy. It sure is. And then she gets really upset when I have to tell her, like, you can't see it right now. <laughs> like, or she'll just like be like, where's the moon? And I'm like, it's it's sunny in the middle of the day, honey. Like, I, I don't really have the basis to explain this to you. <laughs> yeah, right now it's just, you know, nighttime is for the moon. Daytime <laughs> is for the sun. And if they like cross over at all, it's like, <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> You know, like I had to work really hard earlier this year to convince my son that day and night are not equal at all times throughout the year. Ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Apparently someone said that to him in like daycare. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just could not dislodge it. You know, daycares we are finding to be very interesting for these reasons because all of a sudden we started learning about monsters in Gwen's room. Which mm. every monster that's been in any book we've ever read her has been like friendly and like, you know, like this is the love monster. Nobody likes him because he's monstrous. And then she's mm-hmm. like, I'm scared of monsters yeah, now. And we're like, why? Um, and, and all we can figure is daycare. So, yep. So we yeah. had um, Arjun had a buddy over and the buddy was talking about um, monsters and things. And apparently he had a lot of phobias. And so Arjun up to that point had zero fear of monsters. And then he suddenly had a fear of monsters and is coming in a room and is like, uh, mom, uh, mommy, daddy, you know, like, uh, 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 monsters are, are monsters real? My friend keeps saying monsters are real. And we're like, no, monsters aren't real. They're fake. <laughs> Your friend is lying. <laughs> Your no, they're liar. They're horrible. No. And like, even if they were real, daddy would come in and he would brutally kill them. All right. Like there, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an issue. Like I have, yeah, I, I don't remember what I showed him. I think I had like a toy plastic sword in the room or something. Daddy would take this. This is a magical monster killing blade. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. And he slept fine after that. It was, it was- so we had the hilarity of we moved her rooms. And all of a sudden, when we moved rooms, the monsters didn't. And she seems to be okay with this, even though she could say, that will be the baby's room. But like, it's not hers. It's not it's the her baby. Room. The monsters are the baby's problem now, honestly. Right, right. And for a while, we were asking her what to name the baby, and she said monsters. So I don't really know what's going on. Name the like, baby monsters. Like, it was just really funny. We we're like, yeah, no, any monsters in your new room? Nope, they stayed in the old one. <laughs> okay. Are they in there? That? Yep, that's baby's room. <laughs> wow, kid. <laughs> so we were asking Arjun uh, to, to suggest names to us. So we were getting a kitten a couple months ago. And at the same time, we were still working through baby names. And so we're asking him to come up with baby names and kitten names. And they were frequently like the same, like, you know, he wanted <laughs> right. to, you know, yeah. stuff like he wanted to name his little sister Mittens. We're <laughs> like, not, not going to go for that one, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are not rich or white enough to call a kid oh, Mittens. Jeez. And our, um, there were a lot of really cool ones. There was like, uh, th- these, these were like, um, these were characters who needed to be the lead character of an anime, not a, uh. I can't think of any of them off the top of my head, but it's stuff like Cloud and that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I do. I really like that. Yeah. We um we've been calling the baby QE2, and she has determined that that is actually the name. QE2. So, QE2. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So yeah. Well, Jay, welcome. You know, we're 15 minutes in and I don't even know what we're talking about today. 
I mean, we could just so, talk about parenting for the rest of the podcast. I'd be fine. We could. I feel <laughs> I bad for talk Alex. About other things too. I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> That's okay. Well, so we have been going through. Actually, we 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 have gotten around to kind of going through your books, and uh, we're starting with the legends. And so one of the things that struck us was some goblin creatures showed up and it seems like there might be love for goblin kind. And I, I think that we know this about you. Uh, you are a, a friend of the goblins. We're wondering why, like, what is it about goblins? Like, I don't think I've ever learned that about you. So there were, so there is the mechanical origin and then there's like why I persistently love those, those goblins. Uh, so. I got back into magic in the late 2000s, right around Future Sight. Uh, and of course, my my friend and I went to a Future Sight pre-release because what better set to get back into magic in, in than the most complicated set that ever existed. <laughs> um, but we, after that was Lorwyn. Um, and he developed like a zombies deck. So zombies became his thing. Uh, and for me, I ended up gravitating towards the goblins because I guess I opened some goblin at the time. Uh, and I had a uh, from way back in the day from Arcadian Masks, one of the first legends I opened, which I think this is actually in my um, in my preface for the book as I opened a, uh, a squee goblin to Bob. Um, and so I had never really been into goblins. So that card had just been sitting around. Uh, but it worked nicely with the sacrifice theme. Like, oh, like I can use these goblins as a resource. And like, it was just like such, it was like a mind blowing moment. Cause it was like, oh, this isn't a creep. These aren't creatures I necessarily have to attack and block with. These are creatures I can just create to use as fuel for sacrificing stuff. Like it, it was like a level up moment in my mind. Um, I haven't really improved beyond that point though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why am I, I sacrificing mean, them? What happens when they die? I don't Oh, but I can do it. Well, I mean, how do you improve past goblins? It seems like a good place to get to it's and then true. stop. It's true. So then, in um, all along Lorwyn and Shadowmoor, you know, goblins were were a major tribe, uh, and so that's when we were really starting to get invested into magic. And I just I ended up really liking the artwork from Lorwyn and just how joyful all of the goblins are it's throughout all the, of Lorwyn. Yeah. Yeah, gobl goblins on Lorwyn uh, from th that whole set, all those sets, like, are very, very cool. So they're the, so the, different too. Like the, the card that really encapsulates goblins for me, and it's the one I really fell in love with, has the silliest name: Mud Button Torch Runner. Uh, which is my my wife is giggling behind me because <laughs> she's at her computer elsewhere in the, the uh, in in the den. Um, so mud button torch runner is like a goblin that basically just exists to get sacrificed or to block and then deal damage when it dies. But it is a picture of the happiest goblin in the entire world, running with a torch, hence the name, with like a giant barrel of basically gunpowder attached to its back. And it was just like that, like level of kind of slapstick silliness that really sold me. It was, it was funny. Uh, it was like a little uh, uh, exaggerated. And I think one of the things that I really like about goblins that this has sold me from then on is goblins are really like they are just 
unrestrained, I guess, id, basically. Like they are just like, if they want to do something, they do it. Like they're naturally curious. It doesn't always end well for them. In fact, it frequently doesn't end well for them, but they just embrace whatever their passion is and go for it. Uh, And they, it ends up being, they end up being very funny characters frequently because of that. Uh, because they frequently don't have the competence required <laughs> to um, uh, they don't have the competence required to follow through on whatever they're experimenting with. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's hard to explain beyond that. They're just, they're funny. They are like very passionate um, and unrestrained and they really like explosions. And I also like explosions. So like it's a match made in heaven. Did I lose you two here? Oh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. oh, sorry. Apparently, I silenced my mic as I was uh, plugging my computer in because what I was saying was we've actually said on the show more than once um, that goblins are often wizards' place to be able to inject humor. You know, everything from mm-hmm. just the flavor texts. Uh, I mean, even on Mud Button Torture Runner, the oil sloshes against his skull as he nears his destination. The frog tosser games and the lighting of the flaming Bogart. <laughs> like <laughs> and he's running with this oil and a flame in his hand. Like and there's frogs jumping around. I mean, like, they are the area where a lot of times Wizards is able to be silly. Um But as yeah. you said, there's also kind of this passion, this like just willingness to kind of go headfirst into whatever it is that they actually want to do. And yeah. Yeah, and and I appreciate, and I hadn't really thought of it that way. But you're right; they're very, they're very id, they're very um, spontaneous. Like they just, they don't, they do what is in their head to do. They think this looks fun; let's go do it. And that makes them very, very red in that impulsivity um, part of red, and part of the emotions part of red. They feel that, and they just go do it. They don't have, you know the order of white usually to, to make them stop and think or some of the other things that just go and do. Um, and I think we're seeing obviously in the last five ish, 10 ish years, the, this has changed, but like early on in particular goblins were very much like the, one of the evil things like the undead and black. And, and I think that comes from older fantasy, but now in the last years, I mean, it's, it's not a very recent thing, but, relatively recent for the life of the game that it is a place where wizards has done some goofy things with them especially in a place like lorwyn where lorwyn is a much lighter set there isn't really that same level of violence and aggression as in a lot of these sets yeah it's just mainly the racism from the elves but besides that outside of that (laughs) yeah and that's where Lorwyn, Lorwyn turns a few of those things on their head where you have the black elves or the the elves in, in the color black like they're the ones who are the most aggressive and and violent towards others as opposed to the goblins who definitely mess with other people, but it sounds like it's more prank level things than actual destruction and violence. Well, I mean, Lorwyn's where we even get, you know, like um, Wart um, in red, green and the red, black version. And the red, black version is an anti. I mean, she's a nurturer. That's, that's, that's what her ability is. She's taking on that black, basically bringing things back like bringing creatures back to your hand but i mean it's a very nurturing role that is n- not what you would think of as a red black goblin historically 
Yeah. I mean, and we've had in Kaladesh or not, not, not Kaladesh and Exelon. We had goblins had goblins who had jobs. We had our goblin pirates who were part of the pirate crew. They're part of a crew. They're part of a group. They're doing things. There's, you know, most of them were still mono red and they were probably impulsive and stuff, but they had jobs. They worked with people. They had coworkers and friends and did stuff beyond just, well, those are, those, those are goblins. They raid, they pillage. I mean, as pirates, they kind of do some of that too, but there, there's more kind of going on to it. It's not just a simple, this is a goblin and in every world, it's just a goblin. It's like, there's some big differences between how they work. I think in cons, we, we saw some of that on Tarkir as well. Goblins still is part of the Mardu. You know, those are more raiders type people, but we had goblins who are part of the families of these different um, clans. And I think goblins are really at their most interesting when they deviate from the kind of Tolkien-esque origins, you know, the green kind of vaguely anti-Semitic or fully anti-Semitic, you know, long nose and all, all that ugly stuff. And they get into just what represents, as we said before, what represents the pure id of this plane, like on Ixalan, that would be these capuchin goblins who are like interested in shiny things and explosions. And so of course they gravitate towards the, um, uh, towards the pirates. Uh, but on, you know, Tarkir, they're like basically little mini yetis. Uh, they gravitate towards like the snow. And one card is just like goblins going sledding like that. (laughs) So yeah, uh, I always find those the most fun. I think also pulling one of my favorite parts about goblins, which is the communal nature, even in the, you know, going back into the early days of magic, the fact that they belong to Warrens and like the early cards for goblin Warrens, like showed a family inside of the area. Uh, goblin slide has the uh, goblins like snowflakes are only dangerous in numbers. And this idea that they just, they're going to keep coming at you and that there is kind of, I don't know, there is a communal nature to them. And we've, kind of hinted at that a little bit or even talked about you know the better representation for goblins tends to be in that realm and to pull a random couple of threads together in a, in a weird way that i wasn't expecting you're talking about the the pirates the goblins on ixalan and the you know that's heading to piracy that's the pure it is the gold and the explode being attracted to gold and explosions but the thing is there's a lot of fantasy for people in being a pirate, being on the high seas, that whole thing is a, is a fantasy that a lot of people would play out that it looks fun and glamorous and is fun in, in a, you know, removed sense in a game and things, but probably wouldn't be as fun to actually do. There's, oh, no. there's probably there's a lot of monotony <laughs> and bad stuff coming with. The reality of being a pirate was probably uh, significantly less interesting than we thought it was. Than we think <laughs> it was. I mean... <laughs> I, I have not ever in my day-to-day life had to worry about scurvy. So I I like that part of my life. <sighs> I'm trying to think. I feel like there could have been periods in my life where I definitely probably should have worried about scurvy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with nerds, like, you never know. Like, vitamin C deficiencies can be a real thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. So looking at the book, you know, you mentioned like Squee. Squee Squee is one that we like to talk a lot. But you talked about like the fact that, you know, as you said in your preface, the story that came along with Squee was kind of this idea that like it was legendary. So first of all, it kind of told you something about that. And then the fact that a goblin could 
be legendary. I don't think that that is something that we've seen as much of as, as you said in kind of like the Tolkien and kind of the more of the high fantasy. There's not like the same grandeur that is accepted or seen with goblins. And we've been getting more and more, but but Wizards has a history of named goblins that are actually pretty cool. Yep. And I'm curious um, for your book, how did you choose not to just include them all? Oh, <laughs> so, I mean, for the book itself, uh, for Legends, now keep in mind, I wrote this thing like two and a half years ago now. Uh, but when I was working on it, I was working on it with the um, art director from the franchise team, Daniel Ketchum at the time. Uh, and one of the things we really wanted to highlight was uh, both the human diversity and like the creature type diversity of um, the different planes as we went through the book uh, to try and get a little representation everywhere. I, of course, am obsessed with goblins, so I snuck in as many as I possibly could throughout this whole thing <laughs> and argued we very strongly were, for, for many of them. I was um, going to say, we were, we were impressed by the ones that were included. Like, there was a good representation there. I don't even remember who's... I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember who's in the book besides, like, Krenko, and uh, I, was, I was only halfway sure Squee was in there until you mentioned it just now. Grenzo? Uh, uh, I do have Grenzo in there. Yes, yes. Because Grenzo, Grenzo, let me mention there. Doretti. Um, yep. <laughs> I, think, well, uh, I don't just remember if he's Grenzo actually. Is, um, Grenzo's cool. I don't know. Like, Grenzo is uh, it's an example of that red-black. Uh, so, to me, like, that so stood he, out. That actually leads to a, a another good point. Is one, Another thing I like about goblins are they are frequently, like, a... Um, they're frequently underestimated. Right. Like, so goblins aren't actually like, despite it being funny, uh, goblins aren't actually stupid. Like, I don't think anywhere in the multiverse are goblins truly actually stupid. Uh, it's just they come in most of these settings from like mountainous regions, you know, un unsettled regions. They don't have book learning too much, although you see in like uh, Strixhaven that there's one goblin who keeps trying to apply and gets told I'm, would, I'm kind of mad about that card that card i'm still gets, mad about the, that. the, the, yeah, the yeah. goblin who gets rejected because he doesn't know how to apply properly like that is a yeah. dedicated student you bring up so anyway i was Grenzo, really bothered by the fact that that there was no goblin representation in 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 a school of strixhaven i'm not gonna lie i'm not it's, i'm still i'm still bothered by it uh goblins Sorry. like grenzo and krenko uh, make a lot of use out of the fact that they are so widely underestimated. And there's a lot of like fantasy racism against goblins in magic too, uh, where, you know, they, it, that has been backed off significantly, but like back in the purifying fire, like Chandra had nothing nice to say <laughs> about goblins as a whole. And it's like, this is, this is a new, this is a person like, don't, don't talk to them about them like that. Um, I, I have said several times that that is Squee's superpowers, that people underestimate him. Like, that is how Squee did a lot of the stuff he did during the invasion. Squee is, Squee is great. Like, I, I also, I really enjoy Squee, too. Uh, Squee is fun because he doesn't real like, he is scared of everything. He is he doesn't really know too well what he's doing, at least at the time. Uh, 
but he still does his best for his friends like throughout and ends up like saving the day frequently throughout the story because Mm -hmm. he's underestimated and then he eventually starts to find like you know he didn't he doesn't think he's good at anything the crew doesn't think he's good at anything but it turns out he's good at a lot of things but especially firing cannons uh i think i think it's a flavor text (laughs) where it's like was that zap yeah they've been having him like uh they've been having him mop the decks and stuff you know he's he's the the cabin boy uh because they didn't think he could do anything but as soon as he's like given real responsibilities he saves the day on multiple occasions yeah all this uh, time and he's always their first Squee, friends. he's great all this time i thought squee was useless chuckled to say who knew he'd be such a good shot and it's like him shooting stuff off the bow of the <laughs> like the weatherlight um yeah well like squee i think is to to us has been interesting because he's still around i mean i think this is where you know we can talk about frustration from returning to dominaria because we literally had a character that got a card that's just that there was no story with who's like now one of the older beings around on dominaria right like i mean i don't know timeline wise yeah so dominaria was hard like i i should be clear i dominaria was probably the the last set before i started contracting with wizards um even 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 a little bit at the time uh but like looking back at it looking back then i was like man we could have made so much more use of stuff looking at it now um i can understand like the hesitance to get into uh too much history with certain characters like especially as you got to the at, got to the end of the Dominaria story where it starts to feel like they're just name dropping people to try and include more legends in there, and it'd be nice to get like infinite story, uh, but I think the realities of a business it, it just wasn't gonna happen. Uh, that I said, think, there I is Dominaria United coming up, and Squeak did is. not die in Dominaria, so well, the possibility well, still exists. As far as we know, he can't, still can't die. So, I mean, his last name is Squee the Immortal. I think to me it was the 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 role that Slimefoot ended up playing, I guess, is kind of mm-hmm. the, Whereas, like, you know, Squee being back on the Weatherlight was something that felt to me that it, it wasn't going to, it didn't need to be just name dropping, that it actually made a lot of sense. But, you know, that's, yeah. I just, I really love Squee and I've always struggled with, almost the lack of story that we get about squee yeah i think so i also i i really love older characters and i really love when we can make space to like bring back old characters um i think one of the things i have learned especially like working with creative teams on the wizard's side is that there's also a, a lot of value to the newer characters uh, and making sure we give space to them. Like, I get what you're saying about Slimefoot, but Slimefoot was such a runaway popular character that like, <laughs> right? Fair. Like, yeah, it, I know. you know, it's, it, it's it if Slimefoot had like stunk, well, he probably does, but you know, like, as, like if you <laughs> if you panned, if, if Slimefoot had panned, like I could absolutely see what you're saying, but I think 
Martha Wells especially is such a great author that she just took this character uh, in an also funny, unique, saves the day with his friends direction. So, I mean, there's a lot of parallels, but we got a cool new character uh, out of the deal as well. And I think the other thing I have to remember is like, ain't nobody like (laughs) there's no one in the creative teams uh, in any of the creative, like no, there's no one in franchise. There's no one in um, on the, the studio X side that uh, was working during the Weatherlight saga anymore. Like I, I'm not sure. I think the longest tenured member of any creative team right now is um, at least on the internal wizard side, I believe is Doug, Doug Byer. Because uh, mm. he was he was creative text during the original he was on creative text during the original Mirrodin, which I learned when rereading some older articles. <laughs> uh, and like, yeah, so like if you think about it like that, the longest tenure is someone who worked who was who was basically only doing creative text. I think he was still working on the web at the time then, and so like asking people to go back and write characters that they had nothing to do with in the first place can also be difficult. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, it's like, we we want these classic tropes and beats and things and characters from the past, but we've got like new creative talent that could create new, cool new things that we would also like that don't require like, a lot of background reading. Cause I think that's one of the big concerns as well is like, how much do we want people to have to read 12 novels from magic's past to like fully appreciate these characters. Um, and it's, so it's a, it's a hard balance. Like I agree. Like I, a lot of, like I am always leaning on the uh, bring back as much as possible, make as much old, connections and references as you can but try and frame it in a way that's understandable for like newer folks like jumping in on a on a new comic run you might know not know the full history of like dr octopus but you'll get the gist really quickly as you're running through amazing spider-man or something and maybe it is because you know not knowing what's going to be going from here uh you know it, but it's it's seeing all of these other characters that have gotten even from belby to you know um Nevin roll to like see kind of these like places that are showing up in supplemental sets and then just feeling like to me squeeze the interesting because we have a character that literally can't die in magic but isn't a planeswalker um <laughs> so like there actually are a few of them on dominaria <laughs> okay are there and, well joira is ageless okay. yeah joira joda um, and joda yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so all three of them got cards in the set and two of them had story. And I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but and I've been thinking about this as you're talking, Jay, and it's a really good point because you think about from Dominaria set before that came out, the last time we visited Dominaria was, again, to bring back another thread from previous recording, which I didn't intend, the Time Spiral block. And the Time Spiral block for enfranchised people like myself who started playing the game very early was a lot of fun. But for people who hadn't, it was a nightmare because it really wasn't great. It was not good for onboarding. It was there was so many references to things that people didn't get. There were so many mechanics. And it's like, that is why I think 
they played safer in Dominaria. And this set did a good job of here's some references without flooding, you know, overwhelming people who who don't know the references. And here's some mechanical things that reference a little bit, but aren't like actual reference. Like there is a card that basically has regenerate, but doesn't actually have regenerate, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, it was, it, yeah, because it was a skeleton that you can give it indestructible, but then it taps it or something. So it's mm-hmm. functions. It's functionally so, similar, yeah. Yeah, so that that's a good point. That that And also, it's a good point that the teams change over time. It's easy with with games and companies for fans to to look at the company as a monolith and think, well, Wizards has done this for this whole time. It's like, well, but Wizards hasn't done anything. It's 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 not even the same. I was going to say it's a building, but it's not even been the same building that they used to be in. It's it's a collection of people, and that collection changes over time. Me being the contrarian that I'm going to continue to be. Squee won you know mark rosewaters and that is a it is obviously the people who are going to be voting in that are going to be more enfranchised players but squee like handily ran away with the head-to-head goblins with a lot of votes like he I think even Wizards underestimates him. His power is too powerful. I mean, <laughs> you know, so like it, it does fit. It's just, I I guess it's, for me, I find taking my bias aside if I can, and that's not fully possible. We all know that. Just, we can't get rid of our biases. I actually think that it's just this really interesting to have a goblin who literally was killed over and over again and is still like, it's like, it's a story of resiliency. Like Squee is a very, very good representation of resiliency. And it's almost like wanting to know what is, and this is my selfish piece, is like, what has Squee been up to? And I guess that is... Mm. I get what you're saying, but I also <laughs> think that he's uh-huh. actually a very resilient and good character that like was played for comedic value, but also has like one of those saddest cards ever, where his like lifeless body is basically being killed over and over again. Like, there's a lot there. So what I'll say uh in defense of Dominaria uh and not having Squee is like it is amazing the Dominaria story with Martha Wells turned out as well as it did simply because it was like it was the transition story to the franchise team before it all transitioned back with um Runs oh. Rising and got web fiction again. Yep, yep. So okay. if you think it in terms okay. of we've got an outside author with no background in, in magic outside of I, I think she, I, we had we had talked to her on the Vorthos cast and her um her sons had played uh way back when. Uh, and yeah, it, it's, you know, trying with like a new team, trying and trying a new approach with like a new author. Like it's, it's amazing. Like it turned out as well as it did. We got Joyra down very well. Um, yep. we learned about the weather light again. What I will say is Dominaria is established again now. So, uh, and you now know Dominaria United is around the corner. We also know Jay is under NDA, so I'm not going to talk about any more things (laughs) with Dominaria. Fair enough. Uh, But what I will simply say is like, you know, it, Dom, the first Dominaria set very much needed to be the 
reintroduction to Dominaria. Um, and the second set, and I should be clear, I haven't seen the card set at all. So I don't know. I haven't seen um, like what, what any cards do or anything like that. So I don't know. I don't really know like that part of things. Um, but like any return to set, it'll probably go back to elements you would enjoy. Just like Innistrad brought back yeah, Arlen Cord and expanded on her. And like what I've really liked about Midnight Hunt is, you know, we've gotten... Arlen Cord, uh, who is this relatively minor character and gotten like a full fleshed uh, uh, character arc from her uh, that really fleshes her out from uh, Kay Arsenal Rivera, who is did an awesome job with all that. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. Hotsku can be found at Hotsku and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmugs, the cast can be found at patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at Vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael can be found on Twitter at Steve Raffle. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>